Welcome to Marrow Masters Season 5, sponsored by the National Bone Marrow Transplant Link, CGEN, Omeros Corporation, and the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. The National Bone Marrow Transplant Link, established in 1992, strives to help patients, caregivers, and their families cope with the psychosocial challenges of transplant from diagnosis through survivorship. Here's your host, Executive Director of the NBMT Link, Peggy Burkhardt. Welcome, everyone. This series focuses on survivorship. Whether you're five minutes into your survivorship or 25 years plus, we have perspectives that will speak to you, inspire you, and help you at every turn. When patients enter survivorship, it is truly a gift, but we also know it can be overwhelming at times and emotionally draining. This season will focus on helping survivors and caregivers better understand the despair, the mental challenges, some work career issues, chronic graft-versus-host disease, and the role it plays in survivorship, giving back, not giving up, finding your herd, and so much more. So grab a few minutes, grab some coffee, settle in, and get ready to be enlightened and educated as you make a few new friends who will share their grit, intense honesty, and determination to not only get through this, but also to thrive and live their best life. So today we welcome Mike Ansley of Florida. Mike has been a great friend to the link, and we've recruited Mike on several occasions to join us and share his unique, wonderful perspective. In fact, Mike did a blog piece for us where he shared the idea that survivors need to kind of embrace the suck. I will now give Mike the chance to fill us in on this notion and more. So Mike, let's dig right in. Tell us your story and how you handle your new normal. Hey, thanks, Peggy. Back in 2011, I was diagnosed, actually in January of 2011, I was diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukemia, multiple linked lineage. That sure is a mouthful. (laughs) I had my transplant August 10th of 2011, so I'm coming up on 10 years of post-transplant. And to be honest, I am doing relatively well um, back to work, back to doing a lot of the normal stuff that people do, and often doing some of the stuff that's a little bit abnormal for somebody who's been, um, well, not even normal people do. I mean, run a marathon or two, bike a hundred miles, those type of things. (laughs) You know, I like to keep myself engaged and that's kind of how I cope with the new normal. So back when I was in the Navy, we had this term we called embracing the suck. And in the Navy, there's often a lot of times where you have kind of a crappy situation And you're kind of all in, literally, since I was on submarines, we're all in the same boat to handle the situation together. And really, the only way we could handle it was kind of acknowledging what was going on and dealing with it head first. When I talk about embracing the suck, some people kind of think it's, well, you're being an optimist. And it's like, well, I am an optimist by trade. You know, nobody purposely goes on a submarine you know, hundreds of times and thinks it on purpose and expects it to come up. So I guess I am an optimist by trade. (laughs) But to me, embracing the suck is kind of, when it comes to survivorship, is more about recognizing your limitations and acknowledging them more than anything else. There's certain things that I used to be able to do, um, quite frankly, just because it was part of what we did in the submarine force, like dividing by 13 is one of them, just something random, right? Um, Most people don't divide by 13 all the time, but we did it as a matter of course. And it's not as easy as it used to be, right? Sure. 
so for me, um, you kind of almost look at it as like, well, the disease took something away from me. I used to be super, super smart, remember all this stuff and everything else. But at the same time, I'm 10 years older. So exactly. You know, at the same time, a lot of other people are going through a lot of those same changes. They're not as fast as they used to be. They have more aches and pains than what they used to have. And there's just more struggles, especially when you get over 50, for crying out loud, which just happened to me in October. (laughs) Well, happy birthday. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) But I think if you kind of recognize those deltas, as we call them, and compensate for them, uh, you can overcome it. And at least going in, you're embracing the suck because it's not what it used to be. But at the same time, you know what your limitations are and you're acknowledging them. You know, it's kind of almost like Alcoholics Anonymous, where one of the first steps is to acknowledge you have a problem, right? To get over it. And that's kind of what embracing the suck means to me. For sure. Confronting your limitations, knowing what they are, identifying them, and make them more manageable. And at the same time, uh, use your support network and say, hey, be on the lookout for X, Y, or Z to help you compensate for that. Absolutely. So, Mike, let's talk about faith, family, and friends. I know this is super important to you. Yeah, it's funny, too, because one of the things that's great about you know Facebook and stuff like that is you have all these friendship anniversaries and stuff like that. That is not a Mike Ansley trademark thing. That's actually one of my cancer buddies' trademark things. He actually has almost the same exact disease I have, ALL, but he had a slightly better prognosis and only had to do chemotherapy. But he had this mantra, every time that I would have a moment where I was doubting what I was doing or whatever, he just looked at me and was like, Mike, God, family, friends, all the rest is just stuff. At the end of the day, that was probably one of the most valuable things that I learned out of the whole cancer experience, right? Because in a simple saying, he um, basically prioritized what should be important to you. I, I totally agree. Wow, that, that's a great one. I'm going to remember that. Yeah, the other thing that was great about that, too, is that since he was going through the same treatment, he was able to share tips and tricks on getting through treatment and stuff like that. Terrific guy. Um, We still keep in touch to this day. Well, that's great. It it is so important to have that buddy. You know, we have a, a mentor program. I'm not sure if you know that. And so often we hear from patients just the value of getting to talk to somebody that's walking the same walk or already went through it. And it's it's just so important. So I'm glad that you have that buddy. And he had such a great saying that we can all take over now. (laughs) So Mike, next up, let's talk about coping with changes, curveballs, if you will, things that surface as you live your life. How do you stay open to all the things that are thrown your way? So from that perspective, um, curveballs are, (laughs) get a piece of it. (laughs) 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 Yeah, You know, if it's in the strike zone, you got to get a piece of it. You know, sometimes you have to recognize you can't take a swing at it. Um, Sorry about the baseball (laughs) reference, but I I love baseball references. (laughs) I, I, uh, I, I spent so many years, you know, coaching baseball with my sons and everything else that it's just, you know, if you stand up there and you just look at every single one. You know, you're never going to get on base. You know, you might get walked, but, you know, that's that's just a bad way to play the game. 
But curveballs, you just have to be on the lookout for. Kind of the same way is, you know, with embracing the suck kind of comes to understanding where you're at and what's normal for you. Curveballs come up, right? So recently for me, you know, I I started noticing like halos around lights, stuff like that. And I was like, you know, what the heck is that? Right. So I I went to go see the optometrist and he started looking and he's like, "Eh, yeah, it looks like you got um, you got some cataracts forming. Oh, geez. Yeah. (laughs) It's one of those things where you have to be on the lookout for those like minor little changes that might be different. And again, it could be age related. Maybe it's not. In this case, it was prednisone related. But again, you have to kind of understand what could come up so that you can anticipate what the symptoms might be. Like prednisone is a good one, right? A lot of transplant patients are on a lot of uh, prednisone or other steroids. You can develop hip problems, cataracts, um, you know, weight gain, stuff like that. All are ridiculous side effects from some of those drugs. And if you know what the side effects are, you can kind of get ahead of it and understand what to look for and what to expect. No, that's so important, Mike, Uh, especially with, we'll talk about some GVHD, but being aware and getting these things taken care of is just so important. And people have to realize that. I'm giggling a little bit about your reference about, you know, I can't divide by 13 because, you know, I'm I'm old. (laughs) Basically, I'm not as young as I used to be. And I have a friend that's also going through cancer now. And Sometimes she'll blame chemo brain and I'll say, no, I don't know the answer. I can't remember her name either. You know, we're just getting older. And we, I think sometimes we forget that that happens to all of us anyway. It's true though. It really is. (laughs) When I was doing my veteran affairs of physical for getting out, I was complaining about chemo brain and stuff like that. And they sit you down in front of a psychologist and she's like, okay, so count by X or something like that. and then one of the other questions she asked me is like, list all the presidents backwards, right? <laughs> and I got, to, I got to Teddy Roosevelt, and she's like, I can't go any further. And I'm like, but I used to be able to go all the ways back, and now I'm struggling a little bit, and I have to think about it. I couldn't do that on my best day. So <laughs> there you have it. <laughs> oh, that's you know. funny. I, I'm sure many people, this will resonate with them. Uh, as they think about this. So, Mike, what about clinical trials? So, have you been a part of a clinical trial and what was your experience? So, I've been involved in critical trials just about in every stage of the, well, not necessarily during the treatment process, but definitely from transplant forward, I've been in clinical trials. Uh, one was to prove whether or not the, um, dang it. It's going to see now there's an age thing coming up, (laughs) (laughs) whether whether or not the neutropenic diet is, uh, you know, beneficial or not during treatment, (laughs) Um, you know, know, because we end up being immune compromised. And for the longest time, it's like, okay, now you can't eat any fruits or vegetables. And I'm like, that's dumb. Exactly. You know, it doesn't make any sense. And then they're like, well, the, the Navy hospital is hard over. The food that came up was neutropenic friendly once you went neutropenic. And you couldn't get a salad to save your life unless your wife smuggled you in, in for one. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. It was crazy. And then finally, you know, I was, I was at transplant at Duke and, you know, one of the nurses was running a clinical trial on neutropenic diet. And I was like, hey, I'll sign up for that. And there's another one for exercise. I signed up for that one, too. Good for you. 
Wow. I probably was in three clinical trials when I was uh, at Duke. One was for human growth hormones post-transplant. One was for neutropenic diet. And the other one was the exercise study. The funny thing about the neutropenic diet is I signed up for it hoping I was going to get randomized into following uh, the non-neutropenic diet, and I got randomized into the neutropenic diet. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, that's really neat. I, I'm yeah. fascinated by that. Good for you. And for graft-versus-host disease, I was in the... Uh, I'm going to screw up the name of the Imboptum trial. I think there's a trial for that. Okay. And also, I'm still kind of in the clinical trial for the Rockstar clinical trial for KD25, which which actually has a name now, but I, I I couldn't tell you what the name is to save my life. It's not exactly easy to say. You know, we can put some of this information in the show notes for folks if they want to check them out. Okay. So thanks, Mike. Thanks for talking about that. And now, as we dig our way out of this pandemic, oh boy, I know you have suffered with GVHD. So what's going on with that? And how has the pandemic affected your survivorship? From the COVID-19 pandemic perspective, right? The biggest thing I have to say is we are so much better armed to handle something like that than your average person. Because honestly, a lot of those protocols and stuff like that were stuff that I was already kind of careful about to begin with, right? Absolutely. I'd be at work and some guy would cough and I'm just like, you just need to go home, right? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't need yep. to get sick. And honestly, I think one of the good things that will probably come out of this whole nightmare is that people will be more sensitive to coming to work sick and stuff like that. Teleworking will be more common, so easier access to it. But honestly, from the COVID-19 perspective, I mean, we already have the tools in our tool bag to handle that type of pandemic, right? Back when I was in transplant and during chemotherapy, I was the weirdo walking, the bald weirdo walking around Walmart wearing a face mask with people looking at me. In fact, I had my friend make a t-shirt that had a smiley face guy with a mask on it, and underneath it, it said, I have leukemia, what's your problem? <laughs> you know, because... Wow, that's great. You would literally, everybody be looking at you as you were walking through Walmart with your wife. And even then, you know, it's like my wife would touch the doors and stuff like that instead of me touching the doors. You know, when right now, instead of using my hands to open up doors, I'll push them open with my back or use my foot to pull them open if they had one of those pull open things. You know, I try to sit out of the way. Um, Florida has been more open than most of the states. Uh-huh. And we're still doing stuff. You know, I just take a little bit of additional precautions, wash my hands a little bit longer, uh, stay away, take charge of the social distancing, because a lot of people don't care. <laughs> yeah, and I think, you know, I was in Florida a few weeks ago for vacation, and I think because you can be, you know, it's winter in Michigan here, actually it's spring now, you can be outside more. And I think to Florida's defense, it's hard when you're in the colder climate during this pandemic. And it just did mentally, it did us a world of good to be out and about and sit outside at a restaurant again. Yeah. So <laughs> I will say that. And Florida's doing a good job too, because they put in additional barriers and stuff like that in the restaurants. Well, that's good. And we're maybe a little bit loose cannon about it, but I think our numbers are you know, in line or lower with other big states. 
at some point, you know, it's like even during transplant, at some point you have to live, you know, I, it wasn't like I totally avoided things during transplant either. I was just super careful about it. The one thing that kind of irritated me the most that they closed down was movie theaters, because honestly, movie theaters are pretty, you know, you can pick times where it's not super crowded, Mm -hmm. you know, and if it is super crowded, you could leave and then come back later. I even did movies during transplant. We found this one movie theater that had like a three o'clock show or something like that when everybody's at work. And we went during the middle of the day and we were the only people in the theater. (laughs) That's good. That's a great tip. Yeah. Which leads me to just, it's so funny. We're segueing into this perfectly about really just remembering to enjoy life and be careful, but it's so important that you Mentally, we're seeing what people are going through during this pandemic. And I did want to mention, Mike, I say this all the time. We have all learned so much from patients, survivors, caregivers about being more aware. And like you said, just wearing a mask isn't a big deal anymore, but just thinking of other people and just wanting everyone to be okay. So I'm so glad you touched on that. But let's talk about enjoying life post-transplant. It's kind of the same thing. I mean, you have to go out there and live. Um, One of the things, um, be vigilant. You know, you can't be cavalier. I mean, a lot of us are still on a lot of immune suppression drugs. I'm still on a a lot of immune suppression drugs. I think I'm taking three at the moment. But you just have to be vigilant. One of the things that helps me out with enjoying life a little bit more is going back to, you know, the basics, God, family, friends, and focusing on those important things and doing things with my family, especially that makes me happy. Mm -hmm. One of the things that also helps me out is, you know, my wife is a critical backup tool for me where, you know, she might notice that I haven't sanitized my hands in a while and she'll break out the bottle of sanitizer and squirt some of my hands and say, go ahead and use it. Yep. Those are the type of things. The other thing that's really kind of important is, you know, kind of set yourself a goal. I mean, I've always kind of been mission-focused, goal-oriented, and particularly last year, it was kind of just, I think a lot of people just kind of languished through last year. And take a look at your current situation and try to set a goal for this year. I mean, my goal this year is to actually, usually when my buddy and I do um, our half marathon every year, we do walk-run. This year, we set a goal of jogging the whole thing. And we're working diligently to that. We meet, you know, a couple times a week to work on our our lengthening our runs. And then we do our long runs on the weekend. And, you know, it's good to have somebody else that you can uh, work towards a goal for or with. Absolutely. That's a great one. That's a great example because it's not easy to jog the whole thing. I couldn't even imagine. No, no, it's funny too. I mean, but you know, it's like every day is like, you know, we just add like a rad in like 10% a day. And it's great because this guy is a great friend. And so the half marathon story started during uh, chemotherapy. And uh, I was originally signed up to do a full marathon. And my wife talked me into doing a half marathon instead. And this guy came up from Florida and did it with me. He was an old uh, shipmate of mine from when I was last stationed in Florida. He heard about my illness and wanted to keep an eye on me. And uh, we've been doing them 10 years straight now. (laughs) Wow, that's great. Yeah. Terrific. Well, Mike, this has been 
so wonderful and so inspiring. Is there anything else you want to add as we kind of wrap things up here? Yeah, I would like to um, thank Peggy and the National Bone Marrow Transplant Link for the opportunity to speak today. The link has proven to be an invaluable resource for networking with people that have been um, through a transplant and their caregivers. You know, in fact, having been involved in a couple of their seminars, I still keep in touch with a couple of the people to this day. Uh, being involved enables you to interact with professionals that want to have an understanding of the disease and are dedicated to the cure. Um, you know, we're actually a relatively small group of the population, but you'd be amazed at how many people are working on finding a real long-term solution. Uh, one of my most enjoyable experiences was a speaking engagement with uh, the makers of a drug. Seeing all those dedicated professionals down there, um, truly excited about hearing about my story and my experience was an awesome opportunity and made a profound impact on my life just to see those people that really do care about finding a cure for chronic graft-versus-host disease. Well, Mike, I will tell you the gift you gave them that day. I know I heard about it. So right back at you because you made such a difference for them and validated what they're working on. So I know they very, very much appreciated your time. It's super to hear. <laughs> for sure. Oh, Mike, this was so much fun. I always enjoy talking with you and I thank you for all that you do for us. Uh, it's just such a pleasure to work with you and know that you're doing so well. And I, I learned even more about you today. And uh, I know that this is going to help so many people. And I thank you. Hey, Peggy, thanks again. And just remember, run towards the fight. This has been the Marrow Masters podcast. Feel free to share this episode via text, email, or social media. For more, follow Marrow Masters in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And to connect with the National Bone Marrow Transplant Link, visit nbmtlink.org or follow the link in our show notes.